Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Darnold pressured, steps in, throws, intercepted! Diggs has another one! Trayvon Diggs looking for blocking inside the 40. His fourth of the year, he's had one in every game. Third and three, blitz coming. Darnold! That is! Is it picked? Diggs has another one! The only thing I've like got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, Trevon Diggs is that dude again this week for the Cowboys, and frankly, everybody was that dude for the Cowboys this week. You got Dak, you got Zeke, you got Dalton Schultz, you got Mike Parsons. We're going to dive into it all on another episode, post-game edition of About Them Cowboys. And this one is presented by Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome in. Kent here, running things behind the scenes, and welcoming in our panel, the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. First, from The Athletic, Saad Youssef, from The uh, Eagle, and also sports and such, Kevin KT Turner, and from The Athletic, Father John showed him. He's got the notes, he's got the eyewitness account, and he's going to share it all with you here on About Them Cowboys. So without further ado, here's sports and such's and Ben and Skins. Kevin KT Turner. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, a fun game all all around today. I think that was a fun one. Uh, if you're John covering the game in the press box, if you're like, uh, you know, me on my couch, I don't know. It was kind of fun. So, um, John, uh, you know you got a piece up about Trevon Diggs. We will talk about him a lot, but let's just kind of run through it since we're kind of getting to do this a little bit after the game and not directly after the game and have it kind of, kind of handle it that way. Uh, the Cowboys got on the board first. They had a pretty long drive. Um, this is after the first couple of possessions came up empty for each team. And uh, they score on a on a Zeke touchdown run, but they really just kind of ran it down their throats. And, man, I got there's one play on that drive that was incredible. The Cowboys got an offensive pass interference that bumped them back to a first and 20. And then there was a bad snap that Dak palmed the ball like you would palm a basketball. And then ended up running for 15 yards to set up a second five. And then you saw the Cowboys offensive line take over. It's been years, man. It really has been years since you saw uh, like the coherent Cowboys offensive line just run down a team's throat like they did on that that drive, on their first scoring drive today. Uh, would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I think it's because instead of just having five offensive linemen, they've had six, bringing in Connor McGovern on some of those packages. Uh, no, I agree with you completely. I, you know, before the game, I don't know, probably about like an hour before, and I don't know why I didn't think about this until, you know what it probably was? I was listening to a pregame show, and, you know, there was just a lot of talk about how good this, you know, Panthers defense has been. So I'm like, I'm going to get a bunch of stats together just so I have them for, you know, whatever goes on in this game. And I saw that they were limiting teams to 45 rushing yards per game. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to, okay, here we go. I knew that they were good. I didn't know that they were that good against the run. And on that drive alone, I think, so that was the second possession the Cowboys had. I think when that possession was over, they were already at 66 rushing yards. So they had already surpassed what 
Carolina was holding teams to for an entire game, and we were only halfway through the first quarter. And so that was big. And I'm glad that you brought up the Dak run because he he had two in the game, that two long runs. I think one was 25, one was 19 yards. And while those are huge plays in the game, they kept the chains moving, and it really just it brought it. It just made things difficult on a Carolina defense that was bringing a lot of pressure. the The key for both those to me was that there were more yards on both those runs, but he got out of bounds both times. And I just thought that was really smart on his part because it's like there was a Dak Prescott not that long ago. This isn't like oh, go back ten years ago. No, this is like last year who would probably, at least on one of them, put his shoulder down or something to fight for some extra yards. And it was just smart to just get out. Yeah, you got the first down. You got a big play. You know, live to get to the next one. Because this team, let's be honest, as good as as the defense is with the takeaways, this is a defense that gives up 400 yards a game. Like, if you don't have Dak Prescott, you're not shutting anybody down. So he's the key to it. So it was nice from a Cowboys perspective to see him get those big runs, but then also not not put himself in harm's way. Yeah, I think also with uh, with those runs, it was nice to see him actually take the chances and take those runs and just the confidence that he has to do that. But I agree. Like, you know, you talk about just how important Dak is. At various points, you had CD being a non-factor, you know, in the beginning, Amari Cooper being hurt, Michael Gallup not being there. Like, but but nothing fell apart. Like, Dak Prescott is the most, like, I, I know it's cliche, the franchise quarterback, all that stuff. But no matter how much we talk about this being the best receiving core, too deep at tight end, the $90 million running back, whatever, it's all about Dak. And so like for him to have that awareness and keep going and keep doing what he's doing, it was really big uh, early well, on. Well, one thing well. that I thought about too, because that offensive pass interference, um, which I didn't really necessarily agree with um, uh, completely, it looked like Schultz was just trying to run an out route, but he was probably trying to pick the guy too. But that offensive pass interference – and I just I as I was watching and I wrote this down in my notes was last year this is the type of thing that you didn't get over because how many times at this point of the season last year before Dak got hurt and before the season was over were we talking about turnovers and just some killer penalties shutting things down and then there you are early getting over a first and twenty finding a way to get through it largely because of Dak's athleticism right there. So that was a, a good start to the game. And obviously, Zeke looked really good today. And that goes without saying. I mean, Zeke had 20 carries for 143 yards. Uh, but you could see the burst that we had talked about so much. You could see it once again early in the game, um, on especially on that drive. I was just highly impressed by it. And we need to credit him when, uh, when that happens. I know there's still people out there still want to see Tony Pollard and I might be one of those people. Um, but Zeke was running really, really good today. I, I just think him getting skinny through the hole is just something that was really, really big throughout the entire day. I, I think the way that he was doing that, getting to the second level uh, in, in the past when he would get skinny, um, he'd get caught in there or he wouldn't make it out of the hole. But this time he was getting skinny through the hole, making out to the other side, and then uh, taking it, taking the burst to the second level. And he's also just so important because you really do need to run clock. And if you're just sitting there, and, and the reason I say it is because this is this, this is similar Cowboys defense to what we've seen in the past. Of course, the difference is they make they get the big turnovers. I'm sure we'll talk about plenty of that. But this is still a defense you don't want to leave on the field that long. And so when you have Zeke run it, the clock's running, and it's it's limiting how much they have to be out there because if if it is limited they can be solid I just don't think that you want to hang your hat on well we can win games with our defense I don't know you're quite there yet and I certainly was thinking of that multiple times today 
uh, when it just kind of in my head, mainly watching DJ Moore, uh, I was just thinking about like, man, this offense is would be a problem if Christian McCaffrey was out there right now. I mean, just with some of the tackles DJ Moore broke and, and some of the speed that he showcased, if you pair him together with Christian McCaffrey, like it could have been a really long day. And so um, there's clearly things that need to be cleaned up on the defense. But I just think that Zeke is a key part to that. And not just Zeke, but just running the ball in general, running clock. And, you know, that that it's going to have to go hand in hand. And in what you're talking about, evidenced by Carolina immediately going nine plays for 75 yards, scoring. Sam Darnold runs it in uh, and ties the game at seven. Uh, the Cowboys would then get it back. And then, see, so this is the what I'm calling the Dalton Schultz 2021 muff drive. Um, it's not like a, like a blood drive. This is like a muff drive because there's three plays on the drive where Dalton Schultz comes into question. What are we donating um, here then? If we're not donating <laughs> blood, we're, um, you know what? Maybe that's right, a call to action. Go ahead. We'll move on. Move on. Maybe that's a call to action for our listeners to, to go donate blood. Uh, <laughs> but at an all time low level right now and what? you can go donate blood. <laughs> That was it. Um, <laughs> go go ahead, KJ. I'm sorry to that stopped well, me down in my brain. I was just I had to go ahead. I know the listener, maybe go ahead. And I apologize for what I write in my notes sometimes. Drive. Um, but that's what I wrote. Uh, so the big play of that drive ended up being the decision to go for it on fourth and two in your own territory. And I know some people might have thought that was risky. Yeah, to me, I'm you know on the I'm a believer. If you if you've got a really good offense. You go for it in those situations. Uh, fourth and two, early in the game. You know, I, I think those. I think it almost makes more sense to go for it early in the game than later in the game. Uh, and they end up getting it. And by the way, can I just say this on the record? Good job, Mike McCarthy, on that one. On that one. Can we just just so anyone out there, just in case you didn't hear it, you heard it now. Good job, Mike. Good job. You gonna um, keep that? Then you gonna keep that same energy throughout this entire show? <laughs> nope. Uh, it took him about well, it took him about fifteen minutes to reverse redeem himself. Let's um, hold on that point what, real quick. Will there? I asked, I asked somebody in the press box this after the game. Will there be ever a game when it's over and we're at one of these where you'll praise Mike McCarthy for them winning the game? Because it might it might uh, not happen. The only reason why I'm saying this, and this was brought up, like I said. Because if anything goes really well on offense, I feel like Kellen Moore gets the credit or pl- or players. And if anything goes well on defense, I feel like Dan Quinn's going to cr- get the credit. And so it makes me wonder for, like, is there going to be a point where you're like, I think Mike won this game for us. Will that happen in, se- in, in a 17-game season? The only way it would happen is if some challenge went their way and won yeah. them a game. That's the only way they, they would directly say, oh, Mike McCarthy, that was because of him. It, uh, yeah, you're right. It would be because of Kellen or because of Dan I, Quinn I or swear because to of God. Dak or because of somebody else. I swear, Kent, that's exactly what I said. I said it would have to be like late in the game and it would have to be something. Exactly just, the Dez catch, non-catch. That's yeah, the only throws a flag. And you're like, man, yes, if he doesn't throw that, we like, don't get man. the ball back or something. I, yeah. I, that, you're probably right. That's probably it. I I also I also think I'm not making a joke at his size here, but I think it's it's kind of like an offensive lineman thing, you know, where it's like a lot of times when things go well, the quarterback, the receiver, like all the other people get the credit, but you know, uh, uh, like very rarely until you know you don't have those guys making those blocks and things like that, do you recognize them? Um, and I'm not saying Mike McCarthy's some like all star offensive lineman, but I'm just saying that that is kind of the vibe that you get. I mean, how many wins it's, are the waters is the watermelon smashing worth? I mean, it's like four wins right there, probably, just the watermelons. I'm just telling you, as, as a guy who's watched very closely 15 years of him head coaching a football team, that won't happen. That'll never happen. 
and that's my issue. Like, like, like. <laughs> okay, great. Did, what didn't uh, didn't won't Sean McVay get credit if the Rams have a good game plan against the Bucks last week and, and and beat them? Won't Cliff Kingsbury get credit if the Cardinals beat the Rams today like they did? Won't Matt Lafleur get credit if Green Bay's got a good game plan against someone for a win? Yes, they all do because they all bring something. Who's bringing it for the Cowboys? Who's bringing those things? It's Kellen and so far Dan Quinn. All right, let's go back to getting positive. He's a walk-around head coach like Garrett. You know, he didn't take long at all, did it? (laughs) He's he's observing the entire operation. You know, he's not he's not just calling the offense. He's he's not calling the defense. He's he's overseeing the entire thing, I guess. But yeah, he'll never directly get credit. All right, and and, and he might not get credit for like an individual game, but like I mentioned this the last time I was on, I think last week. You do have to give him credit for just letting Kellen do his thing. As an offensive guy, um, he could have came in, changed things up, and could keep tinkering. But the fact that he lets Kellen do his thing, you do have to give him some credit for that. He could also help let a good culture just kind of happen on its own, too. And he, that's something that – like like the play hard thing, I think you're going to see this team play hard all the time. And him kind of allowing the scouts and the front office to draft best player available – has certainly helped too. I don't think that, yes. you, I mean, especially in this game see? too, you just see on the defense, uh, yeah. there are just a lot of pieces there that I think from following the Cowboys over the last decade, there's just a lot of picks that when they made them, I'm like, yeah, you know, Chauncey Golson could be something in two or three years. Oso Diggy Zua, two or three years, you know, and you're getting immediate contributions uh, from those guys. Obviously, Trayvon Diggs as well, Micah Parsons. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go on. Look how positive that was. Right. So Dak hits Blake Jarwin over the middle, walk in, uh, walks in for the touchdown. It's 13 7. You know uh, what I'm thinking up. right there? This is the worst team for people in fantasy. Because they just oh, do yeah. not throw to the same person. They split yeah. their their back split. When, when Jarwin got that, the Cedric Wilson touchdown later on made me think of it too. I'm just like, there's just all these people that draft Amari Cooper and they just signed Dalton Schultz o- over the weekend because he just had the two touchdowns. Uh, you know, you, uh, you know, CeeDee Lamb is, is, you know, Zeke, Tony Pollard, and then Cedric Wilson's getting a touchdown. Like it makes it really hard for people in fantasy to... I mean, for having this such a loaded offense, you'd think like, oh, yeah, this would be great to have a bunch. It's really not. Not only from fantasy, trying to try defending this team. I mean, and that, they yeah, come at exactly. you from every direction. I mean, you think, all right, let's let's cover Amari or let's take CeeDee Lamb out of the game. Let's take Zeke out of the game. It's like <laughs> they have 90 weapons to throw at you. It's unbelievable. So we do uh, the Jarwin touchdown and, the, and there's a penalty. So they take they're moving the ball up to the one yard line. So they're like, all right, screw it. Let's go for two. And they throw it to Schultz. So, so for the third time, if you want to walk through any of these, John, go ahead. But for the third time, we have a review after, or at least some sort, maybe not even an official review, but a lot of time spent after the play, after a Dalton Schultz completion. Were all of those ruled correctly in your mind on that drive? I don't believe the stop in forward progress was ruled co- correctly. I I, I I don't think forward progress was stopped at all. I think that one was a fumble. Um the first one I had no issue with. I thought it was pretty clear that his knee was down. Mm-hmm. And then on the two-point conversion, I thought they got that one right, too, on review. Uh, it looked like his knee was down before the ball crossed. But, yeah, there was there was a point there in the game where I was just kind of like, does Dalton Schultz like go to the same church as these refs? Or are they like in the same school? They have the kids going to the same school? Like, how did, do they know each other? Are we going to have to trace this back? And then it made me think of just how... 
if the Cowboys lose this game, Panthers fans are going to just be bringing up this entire series. And it was just random, too, because it's all involving Dalton Schultz, where, again, we just got done talking about there's so many different weapons. The odds of Dalton Schultz having three plays like that in the entire game, much less on the same series, is uh, mind-boggling. Yeah, I, I think the one issue I also had with that with that just call is that if you're in that situation where you know forward progress can't be challenged, okay, that's the rule that you can't hate the refs for that. That's that's a rule. Um, why would you not just call it a fumble because all turnovers are reviewed? It's like the same thing. It's like you know if 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 you have a doubt and all scoring plays, all turnovers are reviewed, let the play go and then you can review it if needed if it's if it's so close, but. It, I don't know. Like I would have just called that a fumble on the field, and then let that, and then let the review happen. Now we uh, give the ball back to the Panthers, and once again, this is still the point of the game where the Cowboys' defense was proven to have some holes in it. The Panthers then go about eight minutes with the ball. They go uh, thirteen plays for seventy-five yards. The big moment to me on this drive is the Cowboys led, led thirteen to seven. So you've got a situation where Cam Irving rips Randy Gregory's helmet off, and they get they call the personal foul. So it would have been a third and twelve if you declined, which the Cowboys did, versus a second and twenty something. If we're marking second it as like and twenty three, twenty three is that what it officially been? Yeah. Second twenty three. I think anything inside the thirty is one of those half the distance to the goal line. So it wouldn't be the full like fifteen yards where it would be third and twenty seven. I think it'd be yeah third and twenty three ish somewhere in there. Yeah. So second and twenty three is what it would have been, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Um, yes, so they cho- he chose third and twelve over second and twenty three. I don't even know if you can kill him over that. Like, yeah, I have I, no. I honestly have no issue with that at all. If it was yeah. second and twenty seven, I think I I do. I think that I think there's a line somewhere in there where I'd probably go like yes. My defense should be able to get or, the stop. But or if it was him. somewhere else in the field and you were going to get the full 15 yards and let's say it went from being, uh, you know, third and, you know, eight, you know, well, like, yeah. Like if it was something more manageable, the fact that it was still third and 12, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, I don't have a, I don't have an issue with that at that time. Yeah, because second and 23, I mean, you run a draw play or a quick screen, it's probably going to end up being third and 12. Anyways, like, I mean, right. what, what, with the chance that they could bust one, like, out big, um, but, like, even on the conservative side, it would probably end up being around third and 12, third and 14. I don't think, mo- I think most coaches would, would have done the same thing. I really do. College and pro. I mean, obviously, you're going to have some outliers. You're going to have some people that, that take the, the third down, the third and 23 or whatever it would have been. But I think a lot of, a lot of coaches would have done the same exact thing. I'm going to walk back what I said. I actually do have a problem with it. Two 12-yard plays versus getting one 12-yard play. That's what the offense would have to do, hypothetically. They would have to get two 12-yard plays to get a first down rather than one 12-yard play to get a first down. So, yeah, maybe I make them earn it. At the time, though, the Cowboys weren't stopping anyone anyway, so third and 12 was looking pretty good. Uh, They finished the drive. Sam Darnold's turned into Kyler Murray all of a sudden. Uh, He ends up scoring on a touchdown run, so it's 14-13. to at the half. Um, Panthers also, they they missed a field goal, a big, long 54-yarder. And this is where the Cowboys really basically grabbed the grabbed the wheel right here and never let go. Uh, they ended up moving on the ground pretty well, and then you have the big touchdown score to Amari Cooper for 35 yards at the right sideline. It's 20-14. to 14. John, I know da- uh, Amari Cooper's still dealing with stuff. Um, is it, is it everything? Is it the, is it the hammy? Is it the ribs? Is it, is it just kind of all 
a little bit of source, but either way, he he had a good day. <laughs> yeah, this today was the hamstring. It was something that kind of flared up early in the game, and he pulled himself out, and uh, he was on the sideline for a little bit with his helmet off, and, not, and his helmet was nowhere near him, and usually that's a sign like, oh, this guy's probably not coming back into the game. And he had, uh, like, they call him like a massage gun, and he was massaging, using it on the back of his uh, right hamstring. And so I was kind of like, oh, this probably isn't great, you know. But he never went into the medical tent, and he stayed on the sideline the entire time. And the next series, he came back in, had his helmet on. But you could even tell after that touchdown, like, he was in his normal self. Like, you know, players like to jump and celebrate and, like, you know, high five and chest bumping. He had his head down, like, no, guys, I can't do this. None of that. Let me just get to the sideline. So, um yeah, I don't think it's anything that's going to keep him out of like next week's game or anything like that. But he's definitely going to be playing uh, less than 100 percent. That's for sure. But I don't I don't see it being the ribs because, uh, you know, last week he wore uh, a similar type of like rib protector that you'll see like you'll see college quarterbacks. Oftentimes when they're warming up, they'll have it like kind of their jersey untucked or up tucked. And you can kind of see it around the back that they don't have it in place yet until the game starts. And he was wearing one of those the entire game and he didn't have that on in this one. So I don't think the ribs are bothering him at all. And I, and he even said this past week that the, that the ribs were a lot better. I don't think it was that. I think it's a, a hamstring thing that he kind of aggravated, uh, you know, early before the game or early during the game. Sorry. And also like, like, you know, I hate to say this, but it's kind of true. Like it, Amari is a guy who gets hurt a lot. So, but he always plays through it. So it yeah. means that, so it means that he knows how to do this. Like he knows how to manage his body, manage his injury and keep being productive. I mean, um, you know, so if it's going to happen to a guy, it's, at least it's not going to limit him severely. Yeah, it's just so, the offense it was in such a good flow right there. There was three carries to Zeke in a row right before that play. It was a first and ten, and it was over C.J. Henderson. Remember, you know, a few years ago, everyone kind of wanted the Cowboys to maybe get C.J. Henderson if he was going to possibly fall to them in the draft. And, you know, the Panthers kind of emergency traded for him as he didn't really – work out very well in Jacksonville. So they traded for him because they've got some cornerback issues. And I thought it was kind of a, you know, ironic type of thing as that happened. So 2014 Cowboys then get a stop. Big play on that sack. You get a half sack from Chauncey Golston and Odiggy Zuwa. Odiggy Zuwa had a great game. Uh, and, but it was good to see Chauncey Golston flash after not seeing him at all in camp or preseason, you know, really do anything. To see him start flashing a little bit. I know he played last week and, uh, but but I saw him play. I thought Randy Gregory was really good. I mean, I thought the defensive line was really good. And Carolina may not have uh, you know uh, an awesome offensive line or anything like that. They're not gonna. They don't have an offensive line to, to write home about. Uh, but I thought the Cowboys did a great job. I thought they did a good job of mixing things up and bringing pressures and in waves. Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, whatever. But Carolina's offensive line is whatever. Uh, yeah, maybe they're not great. What that's fine. It's not like the Cowboys are completely healthy on their defensive line anyway. I just found it interesting that Micah Parsons, after two games starting at defensive end, he moved back and started at linebacker, and he and he played some edge rusher, but mainly he was a linebacker in this game. But on third downs, and 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 in that situation was one of them. That's when they went with this lineup that we saw several times in this game, and that's where Micah Parsons was lined up over center, and then on one side of him was Oso Digizua, and then Randy Gregory. And then the other side of them was Chauncey Golston and Terrell Basham. And I mean, they were out wide. And so basically because Micah Parsons is such a concern that you have to have someone focused on blocking him and sometimes even a second person coming over there, even when he's rushing from the middle, that it was opening things up. I, I mean, Randy Gregory's first sack was was kind of because of that, you know, ran a stunt and, 
that that kind of you know those four, four or sorry those five linemen there with, with obviously Micah Parsons isn't a traditional lineman, but having those five guys on the line that caused problems. That's clearly something that the Cowboys haven't shown and something that Carolina probably wasn't really prepared for. And so I thought that was a nice wrinkle there for Dan Quinn, and it got home a couple times. It was 20, so it's 20 to 14 right there uh, on the next Cowboys drive because after they get that stop, Zeke breaks off a 47-yard run, um, and that's where he saw Zeke breakaway speed. Thought he was, had a chance to take it to the house. Um, gets pushed out of bounds at the six-yard line, then Dak hits Dalton Schultz in the end zone. It's 26 to 14 right there. Uh, they don't get the uh, they don't get the two point conversion, but man, at that point, it just felt the the game felt it was still plenty of time left in the game, but it just felt over to me uh, because the, you'd felt the momentum swing all the way. The Cowboys were were pressuring Sam Darnold just really really nonstop in the second half, and then uh, you know Carolina they had the ball back and they took a couple timeouts and they. They just couldn't get any flow going offensively. They end up um, – this is kind of one of the things that kind of sealed the deal is when Sam Darnold tried to throw it to Robbie Anderson and then Trayvon Diggs gets the interception to keep the streak alive. And then, uh, you know, we would find out later that he would get another one. You have a piece up on The Athletic that everyone should go read, John, with the, this headline for everyone. Trayvon Diggs showing he might be the Cowboys' best quarterback since Deion Sanders. Yeah, and after games, I'm generally, I would say, 99% of the time, I'm going to write kind of a mixed bag of like at least minimum three different things in the game, you know, and then tying in some quotes that I get after the game, some other stats, things like that. Um, Because at The Athletic, you know, that's what we do. We take deeper dives about more different things or several different things as opposed, at least that's the way I feel, than just one topic. And Mm -hmm. uh, when this game was over, I'm like, I'm only writing about Trayvon Diggs. Uh, The offense was great. I can write about the offense every week with this team. Uh, the defense had its moments, but still, like I said, this is a defense that gives up 400 yards. And the difference is Trayvon Diggs. And he was certainly the difference in this game. And I mean, that was, and, and it's in so many different ways. We'll get to the fourth quarter and just look at the night and day defense when he's on the field and when he's not on the field. Like it's, it's way different. Um, but just on this particular play, the way he dropped back, um, in uh, the way that the Jets lined up, they were kind of in a uh, three bunch set over to the left side, and Trayvon Diggs dropped back to almost like playing like a safety in a zone. And it wasn't like he was just defending Robbie Anderson; he kind of played it to where Sam Darnold didn't see him, and kind of hid almost the way like a corner. I mean, a, a safety will, will hide deep and then kind of just come across to make the play. And so Sam Darnold can't really see him, I guess, on this play. So I'm gonna give him a little bit of a pass. But on the next one, who on this defense is beating you? This guy has this guy has four interceptions in four games. Did you not get the memo? What are you doing? Literally throw to anybody else but him. You can't throw to Anthony Brown. No sense at all why you would still challenge this guy. And the 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 fun thing is though that that he that Dan Quinn is putting him on the best receiver. I mean, he when he's following around DJ Moore, and DJ Moore is a damn good receiver. Yeah. And so this is every week you're seeing this, and that makes it fun. And so that puts him in a position where, yeah, you're still going to get targeted because you're on the team's best receiver. But after you just threw an interception to this guy, you see the run that he's on. It's like it's like it's like going against a hitter that is just in the groove, just hitting home runs. He's on like a streak. He's had like five home runs in like 
seven games. Don't give him anything to hit. Like, I, it's not that difficult. And here's the other thing. It's even worse than that because you know what it's like? It's like that hitter in the lineup being the only player that can hit home runs on the team on top of it. It's not like he's in a murderer's row where you're like, we got to pick your poison. You know, you're going to have to pitch to, pitch to this guy. No, you don't. Don't throw it to Trayvon Diggs. It's incredible. Like, I, I'm like, what is Darnold doing? Like, why would you even try that throw right there? Literally the very next series. Well, teams are going to see this. It's all on film now, and you'd think it would have already been going into this week, but we're a month into this thing, and it's just so, it's so blatantly obvious. And, and even, even when he rarely gets beat, it's like the gap that he gets beat by. Like, there was a play where Anthony Brown got beat a little bit, and Darnold overthrew Robbie Anderson. And it's like, wow, that's a big old gap. There was a, a play in the first half where Trevon Diggs got beat, and he got away with it. Uh, because there was a little bit of a bad throw again by Darnold. And it was like, well, that's still pretty close. Like, you could say he got beat, but he didn't get beat by much. Like, what, like, blatant. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all out there. Teams are going to stop picking on him. I, I, I mean, they're picking on him, throwing at him. Not picking on him. No one's picking on him. He's picking on them. Um, and But then what happened with his back? Because he does leave the game. Obviously, the Cowboys score on the next drive. The, the Cedric Wilson touchdown pass. Um, is Dak hit Cedric Wilson? He spins in the end zone. Then, so I, I at the time, uh, and and I was kind of switching my volume around a little bit with the with the red zone channel, the other TV too, because there's a lot of crap going on over there as well. So at the time, I was like, okay, there's there's like they've got the game secure, so like we don't need to like worry about Trevon Diggs. Like, uh, so I missed Pam Oliver's report that he's got a tight back, and then I see like you know all the tweets she about didn't. it or whatever. Yeah, oh, that's she the did. Okay. That's a, she that's did, a she didn't. Yeah, yeah, she didn't say that she had a tight back. She said player management. That's well, a that, key part to this story. When you're not well, going to the help. blue, when you're not going to the blue medical tent, when you're not. This isn't college football. We're like we're gonna hide injuries. Like the stuff gets announced. You're gonna find out like what's going on. I mm-hmm. mean, that's. I mean, when you don't see a player on the field for an entire series, especially a player who has five interceptions in four games, who was the NFC defensive player of the month, and he's got a towel on his head on the sideline like this game's over. Like you're kind of like, oh, did he get hurt on that? And you are and you have people checking, and you're not getting anything back. And then obviously Pam Oliver gets that. It's player management or whatever. So then after the game is when we found out about the back, and I don't know, I, if I guess, whatever. I don't, Dude. I don't, it's, but let's put it here. Without me saying anything about me not believing anything that people are saying, let me just say this. I think Trayvon Diggs will be fine for the Giants game. If anybody's listening to this, don't be nervous. He'll be out there. He'll be fine. I think they pulled him out a little too soon. That sounds like an excuse. Yeah, I thought they were trying to let Maurice Kennedy get some playing time. That's all. Here's the other thing. Surely thought it was. They probably were, but and Maurice Kennedy was their most productive corner in the preseason and training camp. Now he was doing it more on the inside. He was playing outside corner for Trayvon Diggs. There, my thinking on this is that hey, we're in a good spot right now. We haven't had a lot of opportunities to get Maurice Kennedy to play up to this point because our corners have been healthy. So let's get him in now because this isn't like we're bringing in Nation Wright who might give up a big play because he's, you know, a rookie and, and you know, whatever. This is a veteran guy. You know, we're going to play a little bit back, but, you know, even if they come come down and score, it's going to take them a while or whatever. I don't think they're going to get any momentum out of this. I mean, Kennedy's a good corner. Well, that plan didn't go well at all. Um so that play that play didn't go well as the game. So it was thirty six fourteen, and it ends up being a a one score game. The final score is thirty six twenty eight. Did you, I mean I again? I just it the game felt over at twenty six fourteen to be honest, and then 
there's just a lot of time left on the clock when when that all happened. But, but I, if they really were, if they really were letting Kennedy just get some reps, I actually don't have a problem with it. Yeah, no, I don't either. I mean, he is he's a good player. Uh, I don't think that they figured that it would steamroll the way that it did and get a little too close for comfort there at the end. But again, going back to what I said originally, that's why I was pretty convinced I was going to write about Trayvon Diggs because it was literally showing you, look at the difference when this guy is on the field and when he's not on the field for this defense. Now, hey, if they have another good draft and we're talking about this a year from now and they add some more pieces on defense, I don't know that it'll necessarily be that. But like Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, like their value is just, ridiculous right now on that defense like you're not just going to overcome that next man up if you lose either one of those guys you just don't have a guy anywhere close to either one of those type of defensive playmakers and if you're a Cowboys fan you have to really just be like this is wild I mean we haven't seen this around here in a long time it's crazy that we have defensive playmakers like this question for John Cowboys almanac when's the last time a player had five interceptions in a season for the Cowboys I think it was well player Bruce Carter um and for a corner, it was uh, Terrence Newman. And that's it. Five. Yeah. Wow. That's what he had. Wow. That just shows you. No, my, the big one, and, and I po- pointed this out in my story, is that, you know, the reason I come up with it, I, I was going to go Deion Sanders route on this is because when I'm watching the game, I was thinking about Mo Claiborne and how after the draft in 2012, after the Cowboys traded up, Jerry talked about, you know, Mo Claiborne's the highest draft grade we've had since Deion Sanders. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go back and look this up just to be sure. I knew the stats weren't great, but. 47 games Mo Claiborne played in Dallas, and he had four interceptions in 47 games. And and also with Claiborne, like Jerry did say he was supposed to be the next Deion Sanders, you know. So, like, I think that's that's why it's an apt comparison, like you said. So, And, I mean, just look at their corner you know, since Deion. I, 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 mean, I think we should I, say Jaron Curse's name one time on the podcast because another week of him making a play or two. Oh, that's absolutely. Absolutely. Man, give that's, that dude some credit. Oh, he's been an absolute steal. I mean, and if Keanu Neal doesn't miss his second consecutive game because of COVID, I mean, up until this point, Keanu Neal has been a really great addition in, in uh, DeMonte KZ. And I still think there's even some even better ball to be played by Malik Hooker. But yeah, no, J. Ron Curse is, you know, I think J. Ron Curse is a good player. So I don't want this to come across as I'm taking anything away from him. But I think it's the combination of him being a good player, but then also that Dan Quinn has him in in a position in this defense where he can make a lot of plays. He's up near the line of scrimmage. He's defending tight ends. He's playing to his strengths. I think that's been a key part in it too. But yeah, Deion Sanders is the last corner that the Cowboys have had that has made an all-pro team. and that, So that was Deion's last year in 1999. So they haven't had a corner since 1999 make an all-pro team. Obviously, Trayvon Diggs looks like he's on, on that way right now. But even Pro Bowls. There's only been three corners to make a Pro Bowl since Dion did in 99. And it's uh, Mike Jenkins did once. And then there's been two from Terrence Newman. And then this, you know, a couple years ago from from Byron Jones. And so when you look at that, and that's who you're comparing it to, you can throw in Orlando Scandrick, Brandon Carr, throw in whatever you want. Like, I think Trayvon Diggs, it's pretty safe yeah. to say, is clearly on that path to being their best corner since, since Dion. And, yeah, Dion is you know, the greatest corner ever, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest defend- defensive players ever. So it's going to sound like it's this big, you know, bold comparison, but it's also kind of just pointing out, look how long it's been since they've had like this type of a, you know, defensive back that's making plays like this on the ball. Remember when we used to talk about like, uh, once they got Tyron, Tyron getting to work with DeMarcus Ware, and then you have Trevon Diggs, who's talked about working with Amari Cooper and Amari Cooper saying glowing things about Trayvon Diggs. And, and, and the thing I always just come away from 
is it's not only like the talent that you've added to the roster, but like the guys that are here are like they they've they talk so much about how much they study and all that type of stuff. What which what you know quotes or quotes sometimes you're like you just want to like there's no doubt about it. Trayvon Diggs is a uh, you know I'll still it's Giants week coming up the uh, right kind of guy right there. <laughs> well, That's hey. the right kind of guy for you right there. And when he's not going against Ceedee Lamb and Amari Cooper, and it's the off season, he's going against Stefan Diggs. So yeah, it, it pretty there's not much drop off there. Yeah. Uh, anyone else have any? Uh, you know, like uh, if want to put any closure on this thing? It was a fun game. Tony Pollard. Uh, Tony Pollard. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see as much Tony. Uh, Tony Pollard, ten carries for sixty-seven yards. He had some, he had some nice Cowboys, explosive runs. And that's what you want. He absolutely did. No, he absolutely did. And everyone did. I mean, the Cowboys averaged seven yards a carry. Um, you know, some of those, uh, maybe that average is a little bloated from some of Dak's long runs, um, which ended up, you know, coming in some key key places in the game. But, you know, you to me, I don't think when the Cowboys draw up normal games, they're going to go, we're going to run it 34 times and throw it 22 times. I'm not sure that that's realistic and that's going to happen very often. That's the other. That's the that's the most impressive thing to me. Off offensively, is that offensive line that we've questioned at times, and we've kind of said are all these pieces here. Um, you know, I've said it. I've been a record that I did think Terrence Steele was wronged um, because I don't think he should have been allowed to play last year. Um, but man, there's some things that have happened with that offensive line kind of coming together a little bit. That and we'll see how sustainable it is. You're going to get New England in two weeks. That's a really good run defense. You're going to get Denver uh, in the next month, and that's a uh, well. Really, it's week eight, so you know that's a decent run defense and things like that. But man, I, 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 I that that was smashing a team. The Carolina yeah. knew, and all you heard going into this week is how good Carolina's defense is. They smashed them in the mouth all game long. Well, yeah. two of those Pollard runs come right after the picks. You know, it's like they get the yeah. Trayvon Diggs interception, yep. boom, t- Tony Pollard 14-yard run. The next pick, same exact thing. And so, while I want to credit their offensive line and Tony Pollard for all those two, there is something to be said for kind of popping somebody in the mouth and them kind of feeling, you know, I mean, you see it in all kinds of ball, high school, college, pro. A lot of times right after those interceptions, turnovers, that's when you see it team take a shot and go deep because you know that that defense is kind of reeling right there. And, and clearly the run game was working in that aspect. Yeah. And I think just two quick things for me, KT is like, first of all, I think Anthony Brown had a bit of a redemption game. Like I thought, I thought he, he, he looked good. Like you definitely have to catch that interception at the end. Like there's no excuse for that. But like, generally speaking, you know, given what Antonio Brown did to him in week one and just kind of what we've seen, I thought he would, he had some good pass breakups uh, the one down on the left sideline as well where, you know, he had a good pass break up there. Are. I think he had a pretty good game. And then we talked about it a little earlier. When we, we talked about it a little earlier when we were uh, when we were mentioning um, uh, Mike McCarthy, but Kellen Moore, the, the, the play to end the game, like that's, you know, that's the kind of play that you've come to expect from Kellen Moore, um, that, that like, you know, play that you haven't seen before. And, uh, and that was the perfect dagger for that game. Wait, wait, which play are you talking about? Handing to, to Zeke and then Zeke pitching yeah, to Yeah, Zeke pitching oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, I like that. That was a great that's, play. Yeah. That's so much. How many times did we see him bring all the tight ends together and then right. run it right up the middle in the Linehan days? 
Uh, oh, there was a little bit of that today. Down. There was some bringing well, in, bringing in some Jeremy he, Sprinkle and some other, you know, big packages and stuff like that, which is fine. I mean, you got the lead, and, you know, second half. It, go. It's for okay it. to do that some. It's okay yeah, to do that yeah, yeah, some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, in fact, you need to do that some. But man, right there, you know, balls. I think about that Rams playoff game uh, here in, in LA. We should bring everyone in here, and then <laughs> here we go, fourth and one. All right, we all kind of knew Zeke was going to get it. Near Donald's like, yeah, thank you, Michael Brockers, thank you. Um, you know, it's just it's just fun. It's I wonder fun. if they, I, I wonder if they would have run the ball a little bit more against Tampa if they would have had this Connor McGovern package. It just seems like it's something new, and it makes me wonder. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying hey, yeah. I'm not saying the running game would have worked against Tampa. I mean they're loaded up sure. the middle, but it just makes me wonder if like if they see them again in some type of football contest, would they possibly use that a little bit more? That's right. It sounds kind of very cliche, but they always talk about offensive lines playing together as a unit, and I think that's why you probably hear sometimes guys regurgitate, get your best five out there. and whatever. But there really is a thing because we're talking about steps and things like that and you know tandem blocks and things like that. So I think that there's something to that. Bionish mm. may be feeling a little more comfortable and things like that. Yeah. So Well, if he doesn't and you're, trying to get, and you're trying to get your best five out there, when Lyle Collins comes back, I don't know that Tyler Biotis is any, anywhere close to your top five offensive linemen. The last thing that was on my notes, KT, was just uh, noticing that Demarcus Lawrence isn't even out there and this defense is getting after it uh, in the pass rush. Uh, you know, I didn't really expect that. You talk about Oso, Dig- Oso Digizua, you talk about Chauncey Golston, uh, just the swagger that they play with and and the, the, the KZ play early in the game that, that was – penalty, not a penalty is just an example of just the kind of attitude, the, the, I don't know, want to say Legion of boom attitude that this defense has now. And, um, you know, if they can carry that attitude defensively, this team's going to be scary. I mean, the way that they've played the last two weeks, uh, you know, against the, uh, the Eagles and the Panthers, I mean, absolutely just demolishing these teams and making them look like college teams. I have very high aspirations after the last two weeks. I don't know. My, my expectations have gone way up for what this team can be this season. One of the things that's helped, though, on that defensive line without Lawrence, though, is that it's not what we've seen in the past where it's like, Demarcus Lawrence, we're going to have four down linemen. You are going to be the left defensive end. Yep. You will now rush the quarterback. Like if Demarcus Lawrence is out there today, He's in a little bit of that package, too, where, you know, instead of bash him on the side, it might be him out wide, you know, with Micah in the middle, mixing stuff up like that, you know, switching sides with Randy Gregory, moving inside and playing some defensive tackle, things like that. And that, I think, really helps to put guys in a position to where they can not only make plays, but it keeps things fresh. And then the opposing team just doesn't know exactly where you're going to be every time. Don't get me wrong. That whole like Randy Gregory, you're going to be the left defensive end. I think that that's great if you have four really good, outstanding defensive linemen. Uh, but for, for for far too long, the Cowboys have not had four outstanding defensive linemen, and so I think it is oh, limited so guys good. to a certain extent. It feels great. Well, I also just wanted to say that offensively, uh, towards the end of the game there, what before uh, on that last drive, before they had like four straight runs, then they had a pass, and then they had the, like, the game-sealing run. They were running behind Zach Martin every single time. Like, even when Pollard ran to the left, they brought Zach Martin swinging out to the left, like, pulling to the left. Like, you, you know, we, we talked about how, how much Zeke struggled last year, and yes, the offensive line was in shambles, 
but like even when Zach Martin missed the game with COVID, um, you know, they were talking about how Zeke said he's the best player. All the run plays go behind him. Like he was not kidding. Go back and watch the game. Like in crunch time, it was right on Zach Martin's ass. Well, look, it was a it was a fun one today out at AT and T Stadium, and we've got the we've got the Giants next week, and we will get you ready for the Giants uh, with our preview podcast later in the week here on the Athletic. But make sure you're tracking John Machota. He will have more Cowboys stuff. Uh, make sure you're following Sod as well as Stars Hockey is getting back in touch or uh, getting back into the swing of things. So uh, it's all good. And obviously all of our uh, football podcasts here on The Athletic, like the NFL show with Robert Mays as well. So it's all it's all good stuff. For uh, Father John Machota, for Saad Yusuf, for our producer Kent Garrison, the Cowboys are in th- or th- they're in first place. They're 3-1 and, and in first place. We'll get you ready for Joe Judge and Jason Garrett's Giants a little bit later in the week on The Athletic. This has been About Them Cowboys. He's as pure as mother's milk.